0: Hi, my name is Jamar Tisby. I serve as the president of the Reformed African-American Network, and I do some work with Reformed Theological Seminary on their African-American Leadership Initiative as well. I want to talk to you about a brief biblical theology of race. Actually, ethnicity is probably a better term, but I'll get to that in a minute. Now, what I find is when we talk about race, some Christians get a little nervous. Like, are we taking our cues from the culture here? Is this really something that the church needs to be talking about? Well, that's a valid concern. We need to think about making sure that we're leading with the Bible and and filtering everything we say, think, and do through Scripture. At the same time, as Christians, we believe the Bible speaks to every issue of life and all of life, including race. And so we do need to talk about this. And actually, the Bible does talk about it. And so my goal here is simple. I want to demonstrate that from the very beginning, race and ethnicity a diverse group of people, the church, has always been in God's plan. This isn't just some passing fad of the society today. Rather, this is embedded in God's plan of redemption from Genesis through Revelation, and we get the privilege of living it. So before we can really talk about race or ethnicity in the Bible, we've gotta make some distinctions. When we hear that term race as 21st century Americans mostly, we have certain categories that we think of. And when we're talking about race in our context, it's really a social construct. And what I mean by that is race was an invention due to certain social and cultural and really economic factors. Uh, folks who wanted more money, more power, more influence, invented this concept of race in order to separate people and create unnatural divisions that would keep certain people in power and socially dominant, and it would marginalize other people. Now, race in the United States has a lot to do with some very superficial things, things like skin color, facial features, hair texture, all of these things that really make no difference at all, but they're visible cues. And because it's socially constructed, it has taken on meaning in our culture. That's important to understand, but it's also important to understand how the Bible talks about race. The Bible does use that word, race, R-A-C-E, but it uses it in a much different way than perhaps we're used to hearing in the broader culture. When the Bible talks about race, it talks about race in a couple of ways. It talks about one race. So if you go to the Bible and look at Acts 17, 26, it says, "...and he made from one man every nation of mankind." And he made from one human being every nation of humans. And so what that's getting at is this idea that we have a common ancestry. Biologically, we're from the same people. We are the same species. All of these distinctions that we use to divide and categorize one another really don't have much relevance if you think about it. We are one race. We're the human race. And we have much more in common than we do different. And that's how God created it. But the Bible speaks about race in another way as well. The Bible speaks about being two races. If you go to another passage of Scripture, first Peter 2 9 says this But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim his excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So the Bible calls a certain people, a chosen people, a chosen race. What that's getting at is not a physical distinction like we're used to thinking about, it's a spiritual distinction. Being a chosen race means by God's sovereign grace in election, he has chosen some unworthy sinners to be redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we then, who have believed in Jesus, are that chosen race. On the flip side, There are the ones who have rejected the gospel, and so in a sense, the unchosen race. In that sense, you can say there are two races, the redeemed and the unredeemed, the sheep and the goats, those who believe in Christ and those who don't. So the Bible does talk about race, but in very different ways than we're used to. So we've seen that the Bible talks about race. It talks about one race, meaning we're all descendants of the same human parents biologically. It talks about two races, the redeemed and the unredeemed, those who believe in Jesus by grace through faith and those who don't. But the Bible, is that all the Bible says about race? I don't think so. Race, even in our modern construction, is really about separating people into different groups. It's about making distinctions between different people groups and the Bible does indeed make distinctions between people groups, but it doesn't do so using this term race. It much more often uses the term ethnicity. Now ethnicity in the Bible is a, is a broad and elastic term. It encompasses lots of things. It, it, it could encompass physical features to some extent, but much more common, it talks about geography, language, family of origin, even diet to some extent. By far, the most prevalent categories within this concept of ethnicity are geography, where you're from, and ancestry, who you're from. And so the Bible speaks all the time about Canaanites and Cushites and Egyptians, Jews and Greeks and lots of other people. It's important to realize that when you read the Bible, you understand that the world of the Bible is thoroughly multi-ethnic. It's extremely diverse in all kinds of ways, but it's this term and this concept of ethnicity that the Bible uses to mark distinctions between people groups. But understand this, even though there's a distinction between people groups, that doesn't mean any particular group is better or worse than one another in an ontological or an existential sense. To understand this concept better, we need to think about the theological principle of the imago Dei, or the image of God. And this goes all the way back to Genesis 1. In Genesis 1, 26 and 27, it says this, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Then in verse 27, it goes on to say, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. From these verses and many other passages in scripture, we derive the idea that all people have equal dignity and worth in the sight of God. No matter your ethnicity, no matter the distinctions between people groups, you are made in the image and likeness of God and for that reason and that reason alone, you are worthy of respect you are worthy of significance, you are worthy of dignity. So understand that even though we make distinctions between people groups, it's not saying that one group is better or worse than another because the image of God gives us all equal value in the sight of God. But I started by saying we're going to give a biblical theology of race. So we need to walk through the Bible and demonstrate that God has always had it in his plan to include an ethnically diverse people in his body of believers. It starts all the way back in Genesis 3.15. The proto-gospel or the first gospel says this, I will put enmity, God is speaking to uh, the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now notice in that there's this promise that One day, this Redeemer, who in Genesis is yet mysterious and unknown, will one day conquer Satan and sin and evil in the world. Notice also that there's no limitation in terms of ethnicity, that this would belong to one particular people group, at least not defined by ethnicity. Then you keep proceeding. You can go to Genesis 12 and the blessing of the covenant to Abram. In the first few verses of Genesis 12, it says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I'll make of you a great nation, and I'll bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. That all the families of the earth includes people from every different ethnicity that you can think of. God's plan of redemption isn't complete until he has gathered to himself a diverse people representing all kinds of ethnicities. It goes further. Looking throughout the Old Testament, you can look at a passage like Isaiah 2.2, which says, it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills. And who shall flow to it? and all the nations shall flow to it. All the nations, again, is this idea of these different people groups coming together to the mountain of the Lord to worship our most holy God. Now, I could name other Old Testament passages like passages like Isaiah 11, uh, the Psalms all over the place, Psalm 67, 68, 117, and on and on and on it goes. But let's look at the New Testament. Do you remember Simeon in the temple? Simeon is this old saint who's, who's been hanging around, waiting for, it says, the consolation of Israel. And when Jesus is presented at the temple, this is what Simeon says in the book of Luke. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have pre- prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for, the revela- for revelation To the Gentiles and for the glory of your people, Israel. Notice Simeon is saying all peoples, a light to the Gentile as the Gentiles as well as to Israel. The gospel from the very beginning is meant for all people. And now with the arrival of Jesus on the scene, we begin to see how God's plan of redemption reaches beyond this ethnic category of the Jewish people and into the Gentile world. But Jesus himself speaks to it as well. In Matthew 4, when Jesus uh, begins his ministry, he quotes from the book of Isaiah, and he says, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region uh, in the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. So even Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, mentions Galilee of the Gentiles, which would have been shocking to his Jewish hearers. But he's saying the message I have, the good news I've come to bring, isn't just for one ethnic group, isn't just for one people group, it's for all peoples. Jesus goes on, the beginning of Acts, Acts 1.8, when he declares to his disciples how they are to continue his mission as he is about to be ascended into heaven. As he's about to ascend into heaven, he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses, where? In Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, take this good news of salvation, of redemption and carry it to everyone across the face of the planet. And it continues even in the epistles, Ephesians 2, Paul says this. He's talking about the unity of the church. He says, for he himself, meaning Jesus Christ, is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself One new man in place of the two, so making peace. In place of the two, meaning Jew and Gentile, which, by the way, the separation between them was not primarily ethnic. It was primarily spiritual. But now God is saying that his message of redemption will bring these two spiritually separate groups apart and ethnically separated groups. Uh, They will come together now because of the gospel, which creates unity in the church. And then one vision that continues to expi- inspire me and many others is, is the picture we get of heaven. Revelation 5, 9 says this, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Every tribe, language, people, nation. And Revelation 7, 9 extends it even further. It says this, After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to the Lord and to the God who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb." Brothers and sisters, this is the reality that we're hurtling towards, a church diverse in ethnicity, language, skin tones, culture, and yet unified by the blood of the Lamb. And what will we be doing in eternity as this diverse and unified group? will be worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But this is not just a future reality. This is a reality that we are to live in right now as we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a glorious picture and we get to be a part of it. And it's been a part of God's plan from the beginning. This episode was brought to you in part by the audio adventure series Discovery Mountain. Help your kids fall in love with the Bible. Each true-to-life adventure story will draw them closer to Jesus. Visit discoverymountain.com/ct